Welcome back to Wit Glass Unfiltered. I'm your host, Courtney Huntington, and this is episode 12. As I prepare for podcasts now, as I've mentioned before, I'm continuing to work on my workflow and figure out how to uh, how to collect ideas, how to prioritize ideas, um, how to put things together for a show and continue to have interesting things to talk about, but also have a reasonable thread of ideas that connects the topics of the show. I don't think that I have to have uh, so, sort of a running theme through the shows, but I do want um, I do want a, a central thread to be evident in the shows that there are certain ideas that I think are central, and I want to continually be talking about life, talking about technology, talking about politics in ways that connect to those fundamental ideas. And and so as I'm going about my business, uh, deciding what I'm going to write about, deciding what I want to talk about on the podcast, I, I collect these ideas. And what I keep finding, naturally, is that there's way more that I could talk about than I actually have time to talk about. And one of my personal uh, struggles in life is understanding um, limitations, particularly the limitations of time and how to prioritize life. So that there's this, this idea, um, uh, if you read Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, Stephen Covey talks of it as uh, the enemy of the best is the good. And the idea there that he's getting at is that if we choose to do good things, sometimes those good things may not be the best thing. And that we should be spending our time trying to do those things that are best, that are most helpful, most enjoyable, most uh, instructive, most whatever. We should be trying to do the things that... um, that are the best things for us to be doing. Um, you know, understanding, of course, that there's a balance to life. And, and so as, um, as I'm developing my workflow and figuring out how to collect the ideas, where to collect the ideas, I, I have certain running topics that, um, that I consider addressing. And there are some that I keep putting off because I decide at the time it's not the most important topic for me to talk about at the time. And so as I was thinking about what I'm going to talk about for this episode, I was initially thinking of going in a completely different direction than what I'm actually going to go in. Uh, See, part of what's going on now with wit glass uh, with writing in the glass as a a website and now as wit glass unfiltered the podcast um, 
I, I'm still getting my footing. I'm still figuring out the voice that I want to project. I, I want it to be an authentic voice, but um, authentically, I could be shrill. Authentically, I could be angry. Authentically, I could be happy. Um, you know, th- there are lots of ways that we can use our voice that are all authentic. And um, part of, of our job in life day to day is to work to choose the authentic voice that is appropriate, that is suitable, that is beneficial to ourselves and others. Um, Because we can be authentically all kinds of things that are terrible, and part of our job is to figure out how to be authentically things that are good, how to become the best versions of ourselves. And and so as I think about where Whitglass fits in the landscape, there are lots of people talking about technology, lots of people talking about culture, about politics, about, um, about you name it, art, writing, literature, lots and lots and lots of people. And that doesn't mean that there isn't a place for me to talk about it too, but what do I say that is somehow unique? I don't think that I have to always be saying something that is totally unique and nobody's ever said this before because actually I think that's destructive of culture. The reality is that our own ideas build on the culture that goes before us and if we're always looking to do the unique thing, then we end up casting aside the culture that came before us uh, unthinkingly and so we end up casting aside that which is good in culture simply because we're trying to be unique. So I don't just want to be a unique voice, but I do want—I I don't want to be simply overlapping or repeating what everybody else is already saying, or what enough other people are already saying that it makes my addition to the public discourse relatively meaningless. And, and so part of where I think that. Wit glass uh, sort of stands apart, at least in terms of what's being said, what's being broadcast publicly, is, is this idea of the transformation of culture beginning at home. And, and so as I was thinking about this uh, recently, uh, trying to figure out where I want wit glass to go I thought, oh, okay, yeah, I, I do want to talk about politics because politics is important. But I talk about Trump and politics because they're instructive regarding personal ideas and transformation. Again, I've said this from the first episode, and I don't want to always just be repeating the same idea over and over, so forgive me if, if it seems that way. And let me know if you feel that, because... Uh, I don't want to be hammering on ideas that everybody is listening to and saying, oh yeah, <laughs> we get it. We heard you say it the first and the second and the fourth and the 400th time. Um, but I, I do think it's important to express this idea again that the goal here on Whitglass Unfiltered and on Whitglass, the website, is to talk about culture first 
and to talk about politics as a symptom of culture, to talk about technology as a symptom of culture. Understanding, of course, that the symptoms of culture drive future culture, at least to a certain extent, but really it's our fundamental principles and how we act on them that ends up revealing itself in technology and in politics. And, and so as I've thought more about it, I've thought really the, the one element of Whitglass that stands apart as a more fundamental piece of the building of culture is art, particularly the art of writing, the art of literature, the art of, of communicating ideas. The communication of ideas is far more fundamental in the development of culture than the... Um, the technology, the pieces, uh, the tools that we use. Um, so again, just to, to define that for a moment, the word technology we tend to think of today as having to do with these electronic devices. But uh, when I use the term technology, I'm not just talking about these electronic, generally computerized devices. Uh, but uh, a shovel is a piece of technology. Um, a pair of scissors is a piece of technology. And, and all of those things are, um, are tools that we use for particular purposes, right? Um, politics is, um, includes the communication of, of ideas, and so you could argue that, uh, that like writing, it is, it's important in the same way that writing is important because what politics is doing is communicating uh, ideas. And there's certainly something to that. Um, however, I think that politics, again, tends to be so polarizing because the stakes are so high in a sense. Um, th there's so much that we can lose in politics. Um, the, the pressure is so high that the mistakes tend to be amplified. And uh, perhaps you're familiar with a book called... Uh, Leisure, the basis of culture. Um, it came out many, 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 many years ago. I, I forget now how old it is. Um, I want to say it's a couple hundred years old. Um, I'll try to remember to include that in the show notes when I get show notes put up. And yes, show notes are coming for all episodes. It is a personal commitment I've made to myself. And now I'm saying it out loud. I'm not making the commitment to you, though. I'm making it to myself. Uh, but anyway, I am planning to put up show notes. 
And so hopefully I'll, I'll get this put in the show notes. Um, but the, the title basically communicates everything that the book is about. Um, and and I, I don't want to get too deep into this concept in this episode because there is a particular direction that I want to go with this. Um, but uh, the, the basic idea is that we have to have time to think, time to play, time to rest and relax and recharge in order to build positive culture, um, healthy culture. And, and so, by the way, typically uh, when, when we use culture, we tend to use it in the positive sense to refer to the good things that we desire to see in society. Uh, but of course, there is bad culture as well. So sometimes I will clarify that I'm referring to healthy or positive culture, um, but I won't always. So hopefully the context will will make clear the sense of culture that I'm using at a particular time. Um, but the, there is this, this sense of culture uh, that we have as this positive thing. And the idea of this book is that you have to have leisure in order to build a positive version of culture, in order to spread good ideas and good lifestyles, good behaviors, etc., and I think there's an awful lot of truth in that. So as I thought about all of these things in general, where the, the podcast and the website are going to be going in general, I mean, in, uh, specifically what I might talk about in this episode of the podcast, I considered talking more about technology because, um, you know, I've got the Apple Watch and and there's more that I want to say about the Apple Watch, not just because of because of some of the great technology features, but also because of of other features that actually relate to the idea of of leisure, because the the Apple Watch includes this breathe feature, which is quite cool. Um, and now Apple is including in its activities, its health app, the possibility of what it calls mindfulness. And if you heard a little glitch there, that's because the audio on my computer um, had a system overload. Because I'm working on this little 12-inch MacBook, and um, it doesn't have amazing computing power. And uh, so anyway, it, uh, if you heard a glitch, that's what it was, and I'm not filtering it out, as you know. So um, as I was saying about the mindfulness, I, I love that, that the Apple Watch is tracking those things, uh, and I want to talk more about the motivation that the Apple Watch, because it's always on my wrist and gives me reminders, provides to spend more time doing those things. Uh, you know, so I'd love to talk about that aspect. I'd love to talk about the iPhone 8 or whatever it's going to be called. I'd love to talk about the the direction of the Mac 
and the Mac operating system and the Mac Pro. I, I want to talk about Apple's attention to detail. I want to talk about the company culture because those are the things that I think are most important. Um, also, I've been going through, as I'm working on my workflow here, I've been uh, reevaluating my use of Evernote to store all of my notes and ideas and things like that. And there's another piece of software called DevonThink that I have used off and on for years. And it has some wonderful, wonderful features that are way, way better than Evernote. But it has its limitations too. And so I, I want to talk more about those things. And I consider talking about them in this podcast. But um, I also consider talking about politics, Republicans and healthcare. Uh, talking about Trump and Russia and Jared Kushner and his first 100 days and historic black colleges, all of these current events things that are going on that are uh, just so fun to watch. Um, and it's fun for me to watch partly because it makes some people so angry to watch them. Uh, but also I, I thought about talking about uh, culture in a different way, because I, I read a, this really interesting article, which was basically an interview, which was built uh, from a podcast, an actual podcast live interview with an author of a book called Radical Candor. Um, and I'll try to remember to link to that in the show notes. Um, I think that it's a, a fascinating book, a fascinating idea. I haven't read the whole thing, obviously. Um, because I just learned about it, but it's a fascinating thing. And so I, I thought about talking about that because it, it basically uh, comes down to the principle that you hear in the New Testament, speaking the truth in love. Um, and and so as, as I was thinking about this idea of radical candor and, and reading some of the, the book and lists, reading the, um, the interview, I thought, you know, part of the problem here with this idea of radical candor could be that it requires morality and ethics. And those are religious concepts. And unless you accept those religious concepts, then why does radical candor matter unless it's purely pragmatic? And if it's purely pragmatic, then radical candor doesn't really matter because um, one of the fundamental concepts of radical candor is that you care. But why should I care? See, so anyway, these are things that, that I really thought about talking about. But um, Instead, I decided as I was thinking through all of these things that instead I want to talk about literature and art because at a certain level I feel that those are more important. And I know that I don't have time to get into what I mean by more important. And you're, you're going to have to read between the lines a little bit because I'm moving quickly through these ideas and already I'm at 20 minutes in. And so um, I, I'm not going to have time even to develop 
all that I would want to develop about literature and art because at best I've got another five to ten minutes to talk to you in in this episode. So this is obviously going to be an ongoing bit of discussion and I hope that you'll tune back in for more because I, I, I think that this is, is something that um, is really worth fleshing out and it's something that I think that uh, I can flesh out in detail without it getting stale. Um, you know, so it, hopefully I'll have some more episodes about this um, it, as, a, as a philosophy, as, as a matter of principle. But then I look forward to talking about specifics, uh, specific books or songs. You know, obviously I, I had the episode already reviewing an album. And uh, I'm looking forward to doing more shows like that and talking about music more. Um, but my, my thinking regarding what I wanted to talk about in this episode really came together last night as I was browsing a couple of new books and really just reading introductory material. They're books that I've looked at uh, for some time and, um, you know, just either wasn't prepared to spend the money at the time or felt I had enough on my reading list. Uh, but both of these books are by a fellow named Larry Wywoody. And just to give you a little bit of background, uh, Larry Wywoody is actually a family friend. I grew up with his kids. Um, we were involved in the same summer camps and VBS programs at, at times. We went to the same church for a while. But we lived a couple hours apart, so I didn't always, you know, I didn't see them all the time. Um, but uh, but I've always, I, I've always looked up to their family. I've always enjoyed them. I've always looked up to him as an author. Um, and I've, I've even considered asking if he would, permit me to write his bi biography, but don't tell him yet because I, I haven't said anything to him yet. Um, but I, I would love to to have that opportunity if if he would let me. Um, I'm probably not the most qualified to do it um, in a certain sense, but in another sense, I think that I could I could really write something fresh and and refreshing uh, about him and his life. And so I'd love to do that um, because my relationship, however distant most of the time over the decades of my life, has shaped my ideas of and my life as a writer. And... and So these, these things are, you know, the, um, ah, I apologize. The, uh, the, my connection with him has, has been very important in my thinking over the years. And, and so as, as I looked at these books, I thought, you know, it really is time for me to, to read to read these books. And so 
I, I got both of them in iBooks, and uh, and I was just browsing the introductory material and thinking about these ideas, about what to talk about on on the podcast and the ideas of culture and art and literature. And so as I was as I was um, as I was doing that, you know, with, with this understanding of of the background in mind, uh, you'll you'll have a, a better understanding perhaps of where I'm coming from with this. But I, I, with all of that, I thought, um, and it, reading this introductory material, it just really struck me that, that this is, this is the important stuff. And in a lot of ways, it's more important than talking about the current events. Now, having said that, I'm not trying to say that I'll never talk about current events or that it's not valuable to talk about. There are times when we have to talk about those things, but um, I want to spend more time talking about the literature, particularly the literature, also the art, but particularly the literature um, as the driver of ideas. Um, so, the two books are Words Made Fresh, which um, I believe came out uh, a few years ago. Uh, let, let me turn to the, the page, the copyright, 2011, so already six years old uh, for, for that book. And the other one is called... Um, Words for Readers and Writers. And it came out in 2013. Um, and I, I just want to read to you a, a few snippets from each book to give you an idea of, of what... I saw in the books as I was considering them last night, as I was considering them in connection with the podcast. Um, so the the book Words Made Fresh has a long list of of recommenders, uh, including Leland Riken, Philip Yancey. Um, G.I. Williamson, Thomas Gardner, uh, some some very very high up there people, and and I want to read a couple of them. Uh, Philip Yancey says Larry Wywoody is an American original. His thoughts and words serve up a rich intellectual feast, causing the reader at times to raise an eyebrow in uncertainty, at times to smile with pleasure, and always to feel rewarded. Leland Riken says, Living up to the inventiveness of the book's title, these essays are fireside chats with a well-known author on a range of subjects, literary criticism to cultural critique. The result is a valuable blend of information and assessment of culture and authors ranging from modern writers like John Updike and Reynolds Price to William Shakespeare, the subject of the culminating essay in the book, a small classic. Okay. Uh, and then G.I. Williamson says, and I love this one because I know G.I. Williamson also, a kaleidoscope and fascinating commentary on literary things, much of it over my head, but now and again touching my heart. 
Uh, and I, I love that. I love that. Much of it over my head. I love the, the honesty of that. Um, and then Thomas Gardner says, reading these essays brought back a wonderful year spent in Finland, much of it reading a, a book I love but hadn't had a way to think about until now. I felt the same return, returning to Updike's but not with this sort of precision and sympathy and wariness. This is what writing looks like from the inside. Why would he and the writers he focuses on feel God's presence like a steady pressure, all but taking the breath away? They show us what it's like to respond to that pressure in time, in a body, here on this earth. Now, all of these... Um, recommendations, reviews that, that I just read are relating to the book Words Made Fresh. And then in the book Words for Readers and Writers, uh, I'm just going to read a, a few more. Uh, Gregory Morris says, in words for readers and writers, Larry, Larry Wywody, one of our most compelling and important contemporary voices, illuminates his life and his experience as a writer of faith, as a writer within whom and within whose works a profound Christian belief resides. In these essays and interviews, Wywody takes us into his interior life, offering artful meditations on the holy acts of reading and writing. Why would he expresses what it means to be a writer in Christ, to celebrate the durability and holiness of language, to work at that place where the imagination and the soul intersect and flower. We should listen earnestly to what why would he has to say. Ah, just, I, I love that idea right there, to celebrate the durability and holiness of of language, to work at that place where the imagination and the soul intersect and flower. Man, what a great, great description. Uh, it's just fantastic. And um, and then uh, Thomas Gardner about this one says, why do you write? Where does it come from? What sort of life is it? Anyway, we badger our writers with those questions, certain that living that close to fire must surely have taught them something. Why would he has been asked those questions many times over the years? And this volume collects a vigorous, various set of answers. While settings and interlocutors shift, why would his core insight, quietly returned to, remains the same? What is writing but faith? expressing itself through love. Ah, what a great, what a great uh, summary concept there. What is writing but faith expressing itself through love? Giving yourself over to that first stab of insight, spending yourself prodigiously for others, certain that the one who calls you has already given you all things. One can learn much here about reading and writing, but one can learn even more what it means to believe. And then, why would he himself quotes a couple of people 
before he actually gets into the book. Uh, one of them is Paige Stegner, who said, the illusion of reality is a recurrent idea in Nabokov's fiction. A lily, he once remarked, quote, is more real to a naturalist than it is to an ordinary person, but it is still more real to a botanist. And any further stage of reality is reached with that botanist who is a specialist in lilies, end quote. In short, one gets closer to the reality of an object the more intensely one studies it, but no final or pure state of knowledge about lilies or God or life or the mysteries of nature can ever be attained. And that's Paige Stegner. And then William Blake said, without minute neatness of execution, the sublime cannot exist. And I think that those two quotes that why would he chose are very instructive, as of course they, they should be. And then I just want to read uh, a couple of bits, uh, maybe a total of four sentences or five sentences from Why Woody. Um, in the introduction, he says, words about writing once on a page form pooling metaphors that a reader can enter into in a dialogue. Recurring motifs reflect across the pools and a variety of meanings form a growing unity. This is abetted by a spirited gravity that sets them in pooling emphases. If that's what writers feel when they say they're inspired, I feel and have felt inspired. Mm, I just love that. And then the first sentence of the first essay says, Settled families tend toward melodic unity. Unsettled families create alternating disharmony. Settled families tend toward melodic unity. That's the first sentence. The second sentence is unsettled families create alternating disharmony. As I thought about the podcast, as I thought about what to discuss in the podcast, as I thought about the core ideas that I would like to develop through Wit Glass in writing as well as through the podcast here. I hope you can see why coming across those ideas last night would have hit me so hard. These are fundamental ideas. I don't just want to be criticizing the stupid politicians in Washington, though I have fun doing it, and I think it can be helpful and useful, and I like being a little snarky about it. But I want to be part of building positive culture. And I think that the way that we do that is by talking about the fundamental ideas, some of which we can get at when talking about politics. But really, it's the what we do on a Saturday morning at 9 o'clock that determines whether we proceed culturally in liberty or in bondage. 
And it's those ideas that I would like to be part of helping build. Whether or not I do it well, I'll have to leave up to others to judge. Thank you for being here with me today for the 12th episode of Wit Glass Unfiltered. Enjoy the rest of your day, and I look forward to visiting with you next time.